high five somebody and you miss, it's because you're not looking at their elbow. I just learned that today. Donnell, help me out here, will you? Right. So you just. Ow. I was looking at that elbow. <laughs> right on. So just, just in case you missed that, your $7,500 Kingdom Builder donation, putting it that direction, was doubled, which means it's, it's $15,000. And at 50 cents per meal, what he just announced is we just bought 30,000 meals for kids all over the world through Convoy of Hope, Africa, um, programs there, Central South America, Haiti, which you know is near and dear to our hearts here. So thank you guys for doing that. It's a, it's, that's a pretty good day's work. Should we go home and take a nap now, do you think, after feeding 30,000 kids? Take a nap. So Also, you may have noticed that Dina's not here today, uh, either that or she grew a beard. Uh, you weren't paying attention. So um, This is probably the second Sunday I think she's missed in 29 years. Uh, of, of being, you know, here at Freedom Center, and there are good reasons as to why she's not here right now. I describe them to you in great detail, although I doubt no one wants to hear about it. So let's just say this, that it's best for her to be at home running a fever and doing other things than being here. Which camera are we in? Can we look at this camera right here? Everybody say, good morning, Miss Dina. We love you, baby. We're praying for you, and I look forward to coming home here in about uh, 14 hours. So anyway, whatever's going to happen. She's not here to constrain my preaching. You guys are in trouble. You know that already. Um, after service today, uh, second service, we're going to be cleaning up all of this and moving all the chairs out, get rid of the Christmas trees. Next week, when you come in, all the chairs will be facing that direction once again. And some people like that. Some people don't. Obviously, you do, and you hit me, so you're on my list. But uh, no, it's been good. We wanted to have kind of an intimate time during the holidays where we felt a little bit closer to you than, than we could from the front of the stage. Now, that's been accomplished. And last but not least, announcement-wise, it's just Happy New Year's, guys. I, I, don't, I don't know if 2033 was like the best year of your life, the worst year of your life, or the last year of your life, but it's, uh, it's done. And today we're going to talk about what we do with things that are done. Done to us, done through us, done for us. What do we do with those things? And... Uh, so we're coming back to this thought, I belong to Jesus. Sometimes people say, why do you do this or why do you do that? And my simple answer for years has been because I belong to Jesus. And they'll say, well, what about the theology of this? I just know that sometimes lawyers look at laws to find loopholes. Not very often, but occasionally, a lawyer may look at a contract trying to figure out a way to break it. Are you with me? In the same way, if we just look at Scripture as if Scripture is this standalone document that's not from a father who has a heart, who has a will, who has a way. We can find ourselves saying, well, but does it really say that? Well, let's contrast that with this or contrast that with that. How many of us know that, that we sin the moment we allow our mind to justify what our spirit is telling us is wrong? Whether we've done it or not, Jesus is clear, right? Once you allow it, well, it's not really this, it's not really things have changed, that culture, that's ancient, that's... And I get there are, some, there are some legitimate arguments for cultural changes over the last 2,000 years and language changes and trying to understand things. But at the bottom of every single passage of Scripture, there's a heart. Do you see that? There's a hand. There's a will. And it's a good hand. It's a good heart. It's a great will. God's on your side. Every commandment he gives us is not to constrain us, it's to release us. It's not something that imprisons us. It's actually something that liberates us in truth. So we're talking about I belong to Jesus. Why do you do that? Because I belong to Jesus. Why don't you do that? Because I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to me anymore. I was paid for with a great price. I owe him everything. Can you imagine? Let's, let's say you abused your physical body. 
to the place where you look like Jabba the Hutt, right? You're just, you are just absolute a mess. You're, let's just make it 1,200 pounds. That way nobody can say, he's talking about me. Uh, 1,200 pounds. I know entire row of people here doesn't weigh 1,200 pounds. But, and, and, it, and it's your, your heart, your physical heart is just trying to get blood to every cell in that massive frame of yours. It's just, and eventually it just can't do it anymore and you begin to die. And as you're passing out, a doctor comes in and says, hey, it's, it's, we found a donor. We found a donor heart. Let's say somebody, knowing that you were dying, gave their life, because you don't operate without a heart, but they gave their healthy heart that was well cared for, that was going to beat for decades to come, and they, they decided your life was more valuable than their life, and they laid their life down, left a note, give them my heart. And when you come out of that, that state of surgery and you realize there's something inside of your chest that's beating, how many of you guys know the last thing you would do is go celebrate that person's gift with a bag of Doritos? Does this make sense? When you recognize what's been done for you, it's your saving private moment, saving private Ryan moment. <laughs> That's changed the meaning of the sentence altogether. Saving private Ryan moment. You know what's talking about the movie, Saving Private Ryan? Yeah. Chris is going to be lost for the next 10 minutes. He tries not to giggle about that. But it's, it's that moment where someone gives their life for you, and now all of a sudden, it isn't my life anymore. It's not that it belongs to somebody else in that way. Like, I owe them that. I'm, I'm in debt to them. But I want to do something different with my life. I realize a great price has been paid for me. So often we talk about holiness. We talk about righteousness. We talk about morality. And I, I think it's wonderful. And I think it's, it, we, we surely should. At the same time, remember this. Righteousness will never come out of your self-will. It will always come out of a changed life based on a relationship with the Savior. I'm a better man today because I'm married, not because I'm a better man today. I'm a better man today. I'm a better father today, not because I read 14 books on it and I discipline myself and get up at three o'clock in the morning and eat, you know, grass or whatever. I, I'm a better father because I love my children. I'm a better man because I love my wife. Is this making sense to you? You will be a better you in 2024 as you just love Jesus more in 2024. There's a theme. Love Jesus more in 2024. There it is. So sometimes things don't make sense. We talked about this weeks ago, this thought of when things don't make sense, when Jesus stands up and says, okay, here's the deal, guys. You're going to follow me. You got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. And then everybody goes, okay, we'll see you later. You know, that's a, that's a great thought. I don't get it. And they walk away. Or another time when it's like Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat in the midst of this horrible storm. It's like, you see that? We're going to die. There's no way. And where's Jesus? He's sleeping. And they go to him and they say, we have a problem. The problem is, it's, well, it's you, Jesus. We thought, our understanding was, we believe the deal to be, and now it's, it's not that. So we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about how we can take our confusion and our blanks and our, and our misunderstandings and the sovereignty of God, and we can say, you know what, I thought life was supposed to be this, and because it's not this, I'm just taking my hurt feelings towards you to the grave. Remember that? We talked about that probably three weeks ago. You can either take it to your grave or you can take it to his grave, yeah. where you discover God is the God that does all things well. He's the God who takes the crucifixion, the murder of his son, and turns it into the salvation of the world. Can we trust him or can't we? And that's what faith is. Faith is not, I see it, therefore I believe it. It's, I believe it, whether I see it or not. And in time, trusting that I will see it. We talked about uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I don't understand this, this thought, but it, it talks about seeing through the corrective lenses of Scripture. We said, you know, we, we like to put on our, our lenses, right? Well, I'm a conservative, I'm a liberal, I'm a socialist, I'm a, you know, toad-licking, tree-hugging naturalist, I'm a, I think the icebergs are of the devil, I don't think there ever were dinosaurs, I, whatever, whatever your opinion is. Understand this, the Bible doesn't give us colored lenses, it gives us corrective lenses. When we see through it, we see. 
When we see through other lenses, what we see is tinted and tainted, but it doesn't, it doesn't come into focus. It's just every answer brings 10 more questions involved. So we talked about a couple of weeks ago, 63% of Americans who consider themselves deeply spiritual make decisions based on their feelings and their fears in the moment. Two out of three deeply spiritual Americans go, I feel this, therefore it must be true. Oh, I feel this, therefore it must be true. So we talked about how scripture comes along. Say, why do you believe that? Because I belong to Jesus. Does this make sense? Life doesn't make sense. Why are you still following him? Because I belong to Jesus. He's not just my savior. He's my master. He's not just my Messiah. He's my Lord. So whether it makes sense or not, I believe the promises of God, whether I'm seeing the fulfillment of them in any given moment, because I believe the one who gave me those promises. I belong to a person. He's my savior. He gave me a heart transplant and I owe him everything. And that's the best amen I've gotten all day, young one. That's, that's awesome, right? So for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about something that I think is probably even more challenging than the last several weeks. Certainly more challenging than last week's Chinese food and, uh, and uh, pajama. Did you guys enjoy that last week? Wasn't that fun? Ah, I think we should be changed the name to PJ Church. It'll, it'll, it'll mean praising Jesus, but only we will know that it actually means pajamas, right? So can I just be honest with you? Today might not be easy for you. Are you okay with that? Anyone want to change your mind? So here we go. Because I belong to Jesus, it is mandatory that I forgive those who sinned against me. It's not an option. I, I wish it were. And at the same time, I'm so glad I trusted Jesus through these areas of my life. Because without, without that button, without, without mercy, everything that's ever been done to us piles up on everything that's ever been done to us. There is no new beginning. There is no fresh start. And as we stand on the beginning of this, this new beginning, this fresh start, I, I just, you got to hear me. You cannot be a follower of Jesus. You cannot go to where he's going. You cannot follow him where he's leading. Your life will never arrive at the right place if you choose to walk outside of an ongoing, continual mindset of biblical mercy. You can't get there from here. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Well, which neighbor? Like, all neighbors. Well, the neighbor that has the dog that comes into my yard and leaves Tootsie Rolls? Like, no, no, you got to love that neighbor too. You have to love the dog. Although we do love dogs here at Freedom Center Church. Hallelujah. She's got a little poodle over there. And I was hugging her this morning. And, and she's, what, what kind of poodle? She's not a toy poodle. A what? A poodle palm. But if you get that dog close to your mouth, trust me, it's a French poodle. Before I knew it, I was flossing with her dog. Right? But I forgive your dog. And in some countries, I think I'd be married to your dog. But that's not our culture. That's not our culture. So next week, we're going to get into a lot more specific things about this. Matthew 6, 14. If you do not forgive men their sins, you will not be forgiven. Jesus considers this a, a pivotal and crucial discipline of following him. Because I belong to Jesus. Through his mercy, I have negated my right to be unmerciful towards anyone, regardless of what they've done to me to me or to generations past or to generations future. I walk in the same mercy Jesus himself walks in or I cannot follow Jesus where he's going, right? So let's build a foundation for this real quick. Um, there's a right and there's a wrong. Do we see that? If we look through the corrective lenses of scripture, we see there is a right, there is a wrong. Well, no, it's kind of situational. Yeah, two out of three Americans would say that, deeply spiritual Americans, by the way, but scripture doesn't give us all the wiggle room for our giggles. It's, it's truth, 
It's lies. It's righteousness. It's unrighteousness. It's alive. It's dead. It leads to, it leads away from. There, there's, no, there's no neutral ground when it comes to truth. So there is right and there is wrong. We have things in Scripture called commandments, laws, principles, precepts. And I like the blanket word that Jesus uses a lot. It's just truth. This, this is true. Uh, well, you know, 13 inches can be a foot. and You know, 10 inches can be a foot. No, only 12 perfect inches can be a foot. Well, I, that used to be true, but nowadays, 13 inches, like, no, nowadays, it doesn't matter what you call a foot. A foot is a foot. Truth is truth. Three amens and a couple of old craps. Okay, here we go. Whether or not we like what the scriptures teach us, we have to trust the author and declare his word true. As we live that truth, we live the benefits of truth. As we deny that truth and make 10 inches a foot or 14 inches a foot, we suffer the consequences of things that we didn't have to suffer the consequences of. We weren't ignorant of truth. We were disobedient to truth. Those are different. I didn't know. You didn't know? Of course you knew. Of course you knew. But you thought 11 inches was just as good as a foot, or 14 inches was just as good as 12. It's not. There is truth. If we agree on that, then we agree that there is a right and there is a wrong. Right, here's the good news, requires no mercy. As long as, you guys are newlyweds, as long as he never does anything wrong, you never have to forgive him. But what are the odds? What, I mean, as a husband, what are the odds, right? You know, um, right requires no mercy. So if you never sin against God, if you never sin against another person, if no one ever sins against you, then mercy's not needed. Good news. But is that realistic? <laughs> of course not. Why? Because our flesh is tuned to sin. Now, you have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit, you have an old nature, and, and you say, I don't believe in the original sin. We're all good. We're all innocent until proven guilty. All right, do this. How many of you guys ever taught your child to hit their sibling? Or did that come naturally? How many of your child's first word was mine? You know, usually the older one to the younger one. As the younger one, the older ones were always in sin that way, not sharing their things with me, you know. Um, anybody ever teach your child a good way to lie? And yet, isn't it amazing how they know how? How many times do you have to tell your children to say, please, and thank you before they used it properly in a sentence. Yet when their grandfather used a cuss word, it came out naturally used properly in a sentence the very next moment. <laughs> right? Well, what is that? We're, we're leaning. We, we've got this leaning towards this flesh nature. It's so natural to us that there's a supernatural life that we're called to. And how do we get to that? It's by obeying, listening, you know, the commandments, the laws. Are you, are you getting this today? So this is not going to be a natural thing. It's just going to be natural. You're just going to quit this. You're just going to start that. No, we're, we're going to have to find something greater to love than ourselves. And we're going to have to walk in the truth of that one. And as we do, we'll find ourselves doing these things. So here's a collage. Romans chapter 3, Paul pulls out a collage of Ecclesiastes, Psalms, and Isaiah to try to get us to see uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, and we'll have a collage of our own here, skipping to verse 20 and then 23. He says, as it's written, there's no one righteous. Just in case you wonder what that means, he means not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. Well, this is really encouraging, Jim. Thanks so much. There's no one who does good, not even one, not even on election years. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, and they're only four years old. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Therefore, no one 
will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of our sin. Don't hit your sister, and you just hit your sister. What'd you do wrong? I hit my sister, you told me not to. That's right. We became, it, it doesn't mean that we, we're righteous, but we understand I can't hit my sister. Why? Because your father said, don't hit your sister. Because your mother said, wait till your father gets home. Because you hit your sister, right? And I love this, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Greek quiz time. The word all in that sentence means what? Anybody know? You're wonderful. So, I mean, the Pope would confess to you his sins, would he not? Mother Teresa would confess to you that she sinned. Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, the, the Abraham Lincoln, who, whoever your hero is, if they were honest with you for 30 seconds, they'd have to begin to confess the sins probably of the day they were living, not just the ages past. We are tuned to our flesh, and our flesh is incredibly selfish and immature and violent. It wants what it wants when it wants it from everybody around it. It's, it's, it's a destructive force. And then we've got this other thing we can be tuned into by the Holy Spirit. So with everyone being a sinner, understand this, guys. Mercy will not be optional. Back to mercy. You doing okay? Awfully quiet. I'm teaching today. Is that okay? I, I looked at the smart kids in the classroom to make sure it's okay. I'll, I'll look at everybody else later, right? It's, it's okay. What I'm doing is I'm teaching you the Word of God because you have to understand it before you can live it. If you don't understand it, now 13, minutes, 13 inches is a foot. It's not. 12 inches is a foot. So what is forgiveness? And this, this will help us because there's pictures in Greek. The Greek verb translated to forgive is the same word as to divorce. I, I cut my agreement with you and I put you away from me. I'm no longer responsible for you. I don't feed you. I don't have to talk to you. We, we don't share custody of anything. You are, you are put away from me and now you are your problem. I have my own. It's, it means to forgive. Now, I know divorce is a hard word for a lot of people. Please forgive me. I don't mean to make light of it. But, but it's, it's that sense of, of we are no longer bound to each other. The covenant between us, for whatever reason, is now broken, and there is no covenant. You are no different than a stranger to me. When we talk about forgiving, we're talking about putting away something we were once intimate with. I'm intimately hurt, or I'm not hurt at all. I'm intimately offended, or I never was offended. It hurts in a very personal way. Or it's not, it's not something that needs to be forgiven. Does that make sense? I don't need to forgive people I've never met for stuff they didn't do to me. But the people that I know that have done stuff to me, that's intimate. Now I have to face that. I have to take that relationship, and I have to, by my free will, obeying the word of God, separate myself from it. We are no longer in a relationship anymore. I separate myself from you. You separate yourself from me. You're going to go your way. I'm going to go my way. But we are not married anymore. I will not be joined together with a merciless um, conclusion about another living person that Jesus died for. I can't. I can't and follow him, right? So instead of breaking an agreement with a spouse in this divorce, you're breaking an agreement with offense, with hurt, with resentment, and the right to repay an eye for an eye. Now, please hear me. At whatever level you are married to offenses, you are divorced from Jesus and others. At whatever level you are married to offenses, According to Scripture, I'll get into it next week, but Matthew 6, 14 should be sufficient. You are, you are divorced from Jesus and others. If Jesus is on this side of the platform and my offenses are over here, I am never to get Jesus to come to my offenses. Just, just I'm going to incorporate you in my walk with this offense. I have to leave one and cleave to the other. I can't stand in the middle because I'm, I'm not married to either one. You guys know what happens to a guy that sits on the fence? Where does the splinters come from generally, Right? 
I, I can't, I, Jesus and my offense, could you guys just come together? I want to follow you and be offended. I want to follow you and be hurt. I want to follow you and hate. I want to follow you and be defensive. I want to follow you, but I, but I'm, I got this relationship with this thing that happened, and I, I'm not ready to give that to you. How many of you guys know if I went to my wife and I said, will you marry me? And she says, yes, good. Me and my three girlfriends are so excited to move in with you. <laughs> you know, she may think that maybe I, I misunderstood what marriage means. Or I joined the Mormon church. But it's, it's, it's it'd be an old one, an old, an old Salt Lake City, 150 years ago Mormon church. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not, I, can, I can choose you or I can choose you, but I can't choose you both. I have to divorce one or I will by default divorce the other one. Jesus doesn't share your heart very well. Matter of fact, one of the descriptions of God in Scripture, he says, for your God is a, how I know? A jealous God. Now, what's jealousy? Jealousy is I, I want you, and you want that more than you want me. You want him, you want her, you want it more than you want me. And so that thing that stands between you and me is an idol. So let's think of it another way. I, I, how many guys love this movie? Uh, we got it up to 88 miles per hour with 427 gigawatts of power. And, and think of it this way. What if, what if forgiveness were like, I'm just trying to give you pictures to help us understand, it was like a time machine. You got to go back to that place. Now, you're not going back to that place to get vengeance or set things right or not show up that day or understand that person was lying to us. We're not doing that. We're going back to the point of offense for the reason of beginning our walk of mercy there. How many hours, how many miles, how many decades have been wasted because of unforgiveness? in my life, in yours, in the world. There's a war in the Middle East right now. We could settle it in a day with mercy. I don't want mercy. I want justice. Every act of justice requires a, a counteracting act of justice. If you don't believe me, ask Brother Hatfield and Sister McCoy, and they'll tell you that loss is loss. It creates pain. Pain creates a desire for vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. If there's repayment due to anyone in our lives, it is not up to us to repay. We're not good at it. We created an insane world, and we have a sane God saying, because I forgave you, it is now incumbent upon you to forgive others who sin against you, frankly, to a much lesser degree than we sinned against him. I set an example. I stopped the insanity by absorbing the blow, not by returning it. People say, you know, man, but it hurts, Jim. It's like, I, I get it. And it matters. Yeah, and it's not right. And forgiveness is like, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't matter. It, it hurts. It matters. But let's, let's follow logically down this road. If we don't go back in time and extend a divorced relationship, not with the person, but with the person's deeds, then what happens is we walk in a relationship with that hurt for the rest of our lives. What happens then? If I was hurt by... Uh, girl in seventh grade, and I never dealt with that, trust me, every girl that came after her would have to pay for the sins of their predecessor. I got bit by a dog once. Terrible, terrible thing. I love dogs. Angry dogs are adorable to me. They're like angry birds. They're just not intimidating to me. I just, I just love them, you know? Oh, you're not so tough. And next thing they put their ears down, they come up and I pet them and they're slobbering and they're licking the back of my throat like this one did, you know? I'm in a relationship with dogs. Let's just put it that way, you know? More intimate than I'd like. But then one day, my neighbor's dog bit me, and the little runt was grabbing on my... It, I got a scar on the thumb. My thumb is numb in here, and he was like all four paws in the air. He's going... Rrr, rrr. I'm like, ah, ah, you know? Uh, hey, is this yours? <laughs> you know? You want to you come get him? 
Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I'd never been hurt by a dog before. I mean, I've been run over by one or whatever, but not, you know, just playing. Can I tell you something? It was really hard for a long time for me not to look at every dog with suspicion because of what one dog did. And that's a dog. That's a 30-second incident. Some of us have been in pain at the hands of others for decades. How do you deal with that? I, 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 I'm not making light of this. Certainly being bit by a dog is not the same as being molested for 12 years. But the answer is the same. The solution. The, what, what God has put in our hands to deal with that is the same. Betrayed. Had to claim bankruptcy. Left you for another person. Lied about you on social media. Fill in the blank. And there's plenty of things to fill in the blanks with. You don't have to amen that, but it's true, right? What do we do? Well, we can, we can marry all of that. And we can carry all that. Or we can divorce all that and follow Jesus where life goes. Hmm. Think of it this way too. Another one. This, this button. I love this button. Every, every New Year's Eve, for as long as I can remember, I, in my heart, I pressed that button. If 2023 was the best year of my life or the worst year of my life, it doesn't matter, I pressed that button. Why? Because I don't want to carry the weight of one thing into the joy of the next. I just don't. I don't have to. I have a Savior. <laughs> He's merciful. He forgives me, so I don't carry my sins into the future. And as I've received mercy, now it's incumbent upon me to give mercy. You still here? I just going to be quiet today. It's just a little bit more quiet. I can't tell. You guys nodding off or you just, is this a, is this a sobering message? You're like, man, why do you have to do this today, Jim? Couldn't you do this next week and I'm not going to be here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right? Listen, look at that button for a second. Let me just read this to you. If you aren't pressing that button as needed, then every sin of everyone is piling up and your world is getting smaller and smaller while your pain is getting larger and larger. You used to have a bunch of friends. Now you just got a couple close ones. What's that mean? close ones, those who haven't hurt me yet. Used to be an extrovert, now you're an introvert. Used to take risks, now you never would again. Used to dream of falling in love, now you hope you never will again. Used to like dogs. Used to cheer for the Detroit Lions. Used to think that refs were fair. Right? <laughs> I still do. That's called faith. No, I, I, I still do too. I still do too. It was just too serious, Tom. They're like getting ready to pass out from the pain. I'm like, make a joke. Do something. Are they blinking? Are they passing out? I couldn't tell the difference. So guys, we're not going to get totally on this today, but next week we're going to talk about mercy from God, mercy for and from others, and mercy for yourselves. Because this is the last meeting of 2023 right? 2024, boom, there it is. Let the ball drop. Tonight at midnight, God has done something for every person in this room. I don't know if you know this, but new is a God thing. New is a God idea. God created time so that old things would pass and new things would come. That's part of, that's part of the understanding. That whole new decade, that's a God thing. That, that whole new cycle of 70 years, a whole new cycle of, of 10 years, the, the cycle of, um, I love the, uh, the thought of the... Uh, uh, the new year, that that's a lunar thing. That's a solar thing. Like the, the stars declare it's a new beginning. What God created tells us it's a new month, a new, a new moon cycle. What God creates says there's a new week. There's six days you work, the seventh day we rest, and then there's day number what? One, all over again, right? That every morning we wake up and God's mercies are new every morning. Why? That, because God is the God who invented new. Why? Because the old has a way of building up plaque. 
The old has a way of building up callous. The old has a way of building up a hardness, a thickness, uh, an insensitivity or a hypersensitivity. When the clock turns over at midnight today, there's this beautiful opportunity to turn over with it. Last picture. Let's just do this. Lyndon, I'm glad you're with us today. I want to introduce you to my dad. That's Ralph Wiegand. That's my father. That's my biological dad. We were in um, some restaurant in the mall in Novi. He really liked it. The stage of life, I took that picture of him because he was smiling that day. I don't think I'd ever seen my dad smile. Alzheimer's had attacked his, uh, his physiological and Parkinson's, so forth, the plaque and the things that built up in his brain. He's probably in his 80s there, I would imagine. I'm not good with numbers, but I, I'd say he's in his 80s. To my knowledge, my father never forgave a single sin of a single human being, nor did he ever ask for forgiveness from anyone for anything. The kids that he was the father of, my siblings, myself, we never really connected with him because when you did, he had to tell you about the C- minus you got in third grade. When he did, he had to call my mother names because... You know, it was her fault, and she did this, and I did that, and she never reciprocated, and it was just always there. You know what I mean? I'd go see him, and the first thing I would hear every time was, it's been a long time since your last visit. I'm like, gee, I can't imagine why you're such a delight to be around. And after, after a few decades of knowing that nothing you will ever do is good enough, and all you'll be remembered for is your faults, how many guys know the car doesn't have to turn in that direction? Maybe, I, maybe I'll just avoid it altogether, you know? And then something really wonderful happened. And I, this is going to sound strange, but follow my thought. The Alzheimer's began to remove his memories of the faults of everybody around him. And he began to, you know, I, I, my, my stepmother was hard of hearing and, and didn't know it. And my father had Alzheimer's and didn't know it. So I knew that life had changed. I looked at my dad and I said, so what you have for lunch today? And he goes, I don't know. Doris, what do I have for lunch today? And she'd say, What? And he'd say, I don't remember. And they'd look back at me. I thought, okay, we don't remember what we had for lunch. And then it was kind of like Gunsmoke and the, and the chair. He'd watch Gunsmoke and sit in the chair like that was his life, you know? He'd go to eat or they'd bring food in and that was his life. When, when the pain of what had happened to him went beyond my, my conversion to Christianity from atheism, the family religion that he had raised us in, um, all of a sudden he was kinder to me. I noticed there was a kindness to my dad I'd never seen before. How was your day? When he forgot who I was altogether, there was even more kindness. I was a stranger that was smiling at him. And all of a sudden, I'm getting close to my dad because the things that had separated us our entire lives, in a sense, were being forgiven. Does this make sense to you? I took him to buy a pair of pants with Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's. It was, if Chevy Chase would have been with us, it could not have been more disastrous. And this lady that was helping us with something said, I love how patient you are with your dad. Thanks for being so kind to him. And I said, well, look at him. How could you not be kind to that? I remember saying that going, who am I pointing at? This is the man that's criticized every move, reminded me of every fall that's just trying to manipulate me into some mold, right? And eventually, just before he passed away, um, we had our first really good talk. He didn't remember his mother. That was gone. He hated his mom. 
I have a picture of his mother in my basement that's been sealed for decades. He used to hang over the fireplace and he inherited it and he put it in a case and moved from attic to attic throughout his life. Never want to see my mom again. Anyone who ever heard him. You understand what I'm saying? Can you see how miserable his life is? When he died, we had a, a lunch in his honor a few months later. And all these, I don't want to say old ladies because I'm, I'm an old man now, but people a little bit older than I am <laughs> walked up to me and said, your dad was such a gentleman. Your dad was so kind. Your dad had such a great sense of humor. I'm like, you ever been to the funeral where the pastor gets up and says, he was a good man, and the widow elbows her son and says, make sure that's your daddy in the box. Like, I don't, I don't even know what they're talking about. I'm just like, I, I got to make sure the ashes are my dad's. You know what it was? They knew the man. Hear me. They met the man. The man could have always been. Except he didn't know how to be forgiven. And he didn't know how to forgive. So, Lyndon, we're going we're gonna to say goodbye to you wherever you are. Pastor Jason, if you take it from here. Um, why should you forgive today what's been done to you? You say, I don't quite know how to do this yet. We'll talk about it next week. But why, why, why today should you begin, if not conclude the process of divorcing that incident, what that person did to you, what they didn't do for you? Why, why today? Why should you do that if you play it out logically in your mind through time, where, where does unforgiveness lead you? And where does forgiveness lead you? I became friends with my dad the last six months of his life because he no longer remembered the things to hold them against me. I was a kind stranger and he became my dad in a way he'd never been in the first 50 years of my life. I'm just, please hear me. There's a life that is well lived that must include the mercy of God and God's mercy through you. Or you're living a 13-inch life calling it a foot. Christian, hear me. You're not following Jesus to unforgiveness. So what are you following there? I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying they get off clean. I'm not saying they were, it's okay. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying this. If you don't let it go, you are divorcing the love of God from your life because you're married to the antithesis, to the opposite. If I were you, I, I'd leave 2023 and all of his pain behind. And I would move with Jesus into 2024 courageous, filled with faith. And if there's room for somebody to get even with that son of a gun, that daughter of a gun, that parent, that boss, that government, God himself will deal justly. And you have to trust that he knows what he's doing. And if you don't, then you have to be your own savior and your own protector and your own redeemer. It's a really narrow road, isn't it? Narrow is the road that leads to life. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Hmm. Just kind of do this here if we can. Thanks, buddy. Oh, would you stand your feet but nobody leave? What time is it? Oh, yeah. 9.58, the day of miracles is not behind us. Twice in one year, the last two weeks. Yeah, forgive me, Todd, will you? <laughs> uh, Close your eyes. This has an order to it. What have you done? 
What if you called a foot that was 13 inches or 11 or two or 25, but you called it a foot? What truth has been broken? What laws, what mandates, what dictates, what principles, what precepts has God clearly laid out in Scripture? And we said, yeah, but as if we were the exception. Mercy is so much easier to give once you've been fully immersed in the mercy that you desperately needed. It really is. Jesus said it this way, those who've been forgiven much, they just have a different perspective. <laughs> those who feel like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, good, I'm a good person, you know, God probably forgave me 2% when he forgave, you know, other people. Like that, you, you won't get there. But if you realize that the, the least of sins caused the greatest of separation and mandated the greatest price to be paid, and that because of nothing other than love, God sent his son to die in our place. That heart transplant took place. Please, please, please put down the bag of Doritos called unforgiveness. Please, please leave it behind you now. When you were an orphan, you had to protect yourself, but you had a daddy now. Come on, we're not supposed to be orphans. We're supposed to be sons and daughters. We're supposed to be heirs, co-heirs of Christ, heirs of God. That means what he would have done, we will do. But the mercy is displayed, displaying anything less is now inexcusable. So do you need forgiveness today? I'd, I'd guess 30-ish people made fresh commitments to Christ last weekend. Between Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve, probably 30, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to be conservative. If I was evangelistic, I'd say 50. But I, I think somewhere between 30 and maybe, maybe 35, 40, I, I don't know but they made a fresh commitment to Jesus. Maybe today's the day you need to make a fresh commitment to Jesus. Not, not because you haven't been following him, but because you've been trying to drag along this, this corpse, this dead, poisonous, viral, I don't know, I'm trying to, like, like it's, it's, it's awful, it's putrid, it's, and it haunts you. I get, I get it, I have been hurt. Listen, I'm not just a pastor, I'm a leader. Maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but I, as change occurs, people say terrible things. You might mess with their economy and they're mad at you. You might mess with their neighbor and they're mad at you. I mess with people's religion. You, you don't think they don't fire things at me? And man, I, I could not do again tomorrow what I've enjoyed so much doing today if I didn't let go of yesterday. Does this make sense? Your marriage, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors. If you don't hit the button, if you don't turn the cheek, if you don't get in your time machine, then all of that is piling up on top of all of that. And it's no longer a calluses that protects you. It's a calluses that makes it impossible for you to feel what you were created to feel. So let's just do this right now. Jesus, forgive us. Come on, say it with me. Jesus, forgive us. Set us free, God. We, we are not, uh, you know, in and of ourselves. We're the, we're the cookie-stealing, lie-telling, sister-hitting kids we always were. We're just better at hiding it and justifying it. No longer will we, will we allow our minds to justify what our spirit, your spirit, and the Word of God tells us is wrong. We're not going to put on lenses called, I don't know. I can't even use that word because that would confuse people, but just that make everyone else so wrong that we're right to hold it against them. Forget that. 
We are free because you set us free. You guys good so far? Next step. If you receive mercy, what, what is incumbent upon you now? You received a heart transplant. What are you supposed to do with that heart? You don't go back to the things that killed your first heart. You let the strength of that first heart get you on a treadmill so you go from 1,200 pounds to 1,100 pounds. 1,100 pounds to 1,000 pounds. 1,000 pounds to 500 pounds. 500 pounds to 200 pounds. Why? Because something that was once sick and dying is now healthy. It's beating. It's alive. It's got a rhythm to it. Receiving the mercy of God, it's got a rhythm to it. Those who have been blessed greatly by the mercy of God now are to be great blessers with the mercy of God. So this is the next step. This is hard. I'm not saying you won't feel. I'm not saying this will change everything in your mind. Neuron paths have been burned by the billions. But now we're going to take every thought captive and we're going to make it obedient, not to our feelings, not to our fears, but to Christ. We take every thought captive, we make it obedient to Christ. What is that that you would hold against another person? Or maybe that's too long of a list. Maybe what is it you hold against every person? Because of the sins of a few or the sins of the multitude, you now are bound by those things. It's time to be free. If God wants to smack him to the ground, he'll smack him to the ground. You're not even allowed to cheer when he does, by the way. You just you try to pick him up. God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You get up from your chair and you invite them to take your seat. That's what love does. But God's going to do it. If it needs to be done, God's going to do it. Can you trust him with that part of your life? Can you let it go trusting that he won't? Unless it's right that he should do so. So Father, we've asked for forgiveness. And now, if you want to say this, you can. If you don't, not ready to, I'm not pushing you. It has to happen as it happens, it can't happen because I push you to, to make this happen. That's, I want to make that clear. I'm not disappointed in you if you can't do it today. I understand. But for those of you who see what I've said today to be true, then we ask for forgiveness. There's two words that will complete what's begun. And that's I forgive. So God, we've asked for forgiveness. Will you tell them right now? Come on, God is your witness. Will you divorce it? I'm going to teach you how next week. We're going to talk about things and steps, but there's only really one step in forgiveness, and that's the will. That's the choice. Feelings come through process, but the choice is what we're doing right now. Would you say this with me? I forgive. Come on, tell me if that's him. God, I forgive. If that's you, I forgive. That's her. I forgive her. If it's your daddy, if it's your mama, if it's the absence of a daddy or your mama, I forgive. I forgive. I'm not taking with me into next year the weight that I've carried in this year. I'm not. You are turning over something new, and I'm going to be new in it, new with you, new in you, new through you. And if I'm afraid that I don't have the power to do that, then I, I just want you to know, God, I'm not praying in my name. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, setting captives free. God, I apply the blood of Jesus to our hearts and our minds. I bind every lying, hindering spirit in Jesus' name, and we declare liberty to every captive in Jesus' name. 
Today is a new day. Today we celebrate something new. Today we divorce the yesterday and we marry tomorrow. We give up living on one side or trying to stand in the middle. We are done with that. We are moving hand in hand with the great bridegroom of heaven. We are yours. You are ours. We break every covenant that would hinder our covenant with you now. We break it. We divorce it. We leave it behind in Jesus' name. Let me say it another way. Father, we'll never let those people have power in our lives again. They've taken up way too much real estate for way too long. We divorce that now in Jesus' name. Free. Free up our memories. Free up our hearts. Free up our creativity. Free up our souls. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let us walk in this freedom now. In Jesus' name. Mm. You want revenge? Let Jesus be more powerful than the person that hurt you. <laughs> Drive them crazy. <laughs> I'm not saying do it because it drives them crazy, but it drives them crazy. They throw mud at you and you throw blessings back. It really, uh, this can be fun. So seal it now, God, by your spirit and your word. And uh, we take from this room nothing that would drag us down. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Right on. Well, happy new year. Happy new you. Happy puppy licking the back of your throat day here in Freedom Center. Before you go, would you talk to two or three people and just say, what'd you get out of that? Or, hey, does that true in your life? Or how can I pray with you? Or what's your name? What's your favorite color? What's your social security number? What, how can we get closer? On your market set, go. If you need prayer, come on forward. If not, you are dismissed. We'll get your kids.